Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is uh, Mudiwa Gavaza, and for today, we are getting into the economics uh, of the week, uh, which means uh, I, I think one of the big things for the week is the fact that um, we recently had a fuel price hike. This is one of those things uh, that tends to affect everybody. It's not uh, something that you know can be you know cordoned off to a corner. Everyone is uh, getting around in one way or another either in your own transport uh, a form of public transport private transport whatever it is uh, transport is something that affect uh, that affects all of us and it's something that uh, you know is you know, going to have a knock-on effect um, on the rest of the economy because uh, there's a constant moving of goods and services um, in the economy. So for today, we are going to be talking to um, to Koketso Mano, who is an economist over at FNB, uh, to give us some insight into what's going on and why we are suffering the way that we are as consumers. <music> Ketzel, greetings to you today. Hi, Mudiwa, and greetings to all your audience. Thank you for having me. No, no, thank you so much for being with us. Um, why are we suffering like this? I think that is uh, the yeah. question on everyone's mind. Almost 20 rand a liter. That is <laughs> ridiculous, if I may say so. Yes, yes, it is. It is quite a cra- quite a crazy time, Mudiwa, and fuel prices have increased by nearly five rand since the start of this year. As you've said, they currently um, in November um, have reached a level of nineteen rand fifty four cents, which is over thirty percent increase on a year on year basis. So in November, they announced um, the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy announced that uh, fuel prices will be hiked by one rand twenty one cents. Uh, for for November, and there are analysts who are expecting further increases closer to or even above that region of 20 rands before the year ends. Um, so it's it's not an easy time. Um, I think it, even in generally, um, inflation has started to become a big problem across the globe. And you may have heard the, hi- the highlights around the globe, um, especially with monetary policy, um, questions around whether monetary policy should be responding to this elevated um, headline inflation. And we have seen that being driven by supply, demand, imbalances, across the globe and maybe I could also just get into what's driving you know higher fuel prices at the moment we did see um, with the lockdown that rent crude oil prices uh, declined to record lows being lower than 30 US dollars per barrel in April of 2020 and given the lighter lockdowns that we had in 2021 we started seeing uh, Brent crude oil prices rising I think this was broadly expected across analysts that you know, as, as lockdown um, lightens, as mobility improves, that you would start to see a bigger demand or an increase in demand in, in, in for, for, for Brent crude oil prices. But we, what we didn't expect is that these supply demand imbalances would drive Brent crude oil prices to the levels that they are at, at the moment. And... Um, Analysts expect that this will continue at least until the end of the year, some even expecting it to continue to uh, the start of 2022. And some of the drivers there is that um, 
from the supply side is that the OPEC plus um, the, the oil producers, the major brand crude oil producers, have decided to only increase supply by 400,000 uh, barrels per day each month starting um, in September. And the reason um, that oil prices have continued to rally is that this increase is not enough to meet demand at the moment. And also rising demand factoring in the natural gas shortages in Asia and uh, and Europe. And, and, and these natural gas shortages are expected to spill over to oil demand um, as people switch to, to, to brand crude oil in electricity generation. So supply and demand are just not meeting at the moment. And that's what's driving the pre- the brain crude oil price is higher. Now, it's actually quite scary, you know, some of the numbers and the figures that uh, uh, that Koketso is giving to us, especially if we are to imagine a world um, where 20 rand is not the end of it all. Um, you know, I'm actually just thinking about what all of that then means because um, it's, uh, it's just one reflecting on the fact that about um, a year or so ago, a year, three months ago, um, we, had, uh, we had fuel prices sitting at around 11, 12 rand. And now you have consumers at the pump going and getting it at 1950, which is just ridiculous. Um, I'm just curious, in the price going up like this, uh, is it all just the oil price related as you've just articulated or uh, is there any piece that relates to some of the other fees uh, that tend to come with the fuel price whether it's uh, you know levies whether it's road accident fund whatever it is or you know could you say that this is purely uh, based on the oil price like what you said yeah so um, what we call the basic fuel price is is the the, the major part of um, the, the fuel prices that we get at the pumps. Um, and, and in addition to what we see on the brand crude oil market, there is that factor of the rent. And as you know, the rent tends to be quite volatile. Um, however, since the middle of this year, where the rand settled at around 13.90, we have seen the rand weakening to 14.80 or over 14.80 in October. And this is largely as a result of, you know, expectations that advanced economies would start tapering their asset purchases. And also there is a potential that there could be early normalization in advanced economies, which have uh, placed higher risk on emerging markets and assets associated um, with emerging markets, and 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 that ha- that has also resulted in rand volatility, but also generally w- rand weakening. We have also started to see commodity prices lowering, and and as of today, we see that the rand is actually above 15 rands per dollar. So that's one other factor that has driven fuel prices higher. Now, to get back to your question. Yes, there is that other factor of um, fuel taxes and levies. And at the moment, fuel taxes and levies actually make up over 30% of the price. So this is when we we are just looking at fuel taxes and levies um, in relation to what we would see uh, to basic fuel prices. And and as I've just mentioned, you know, that makes up a big chunk of the price. And, and it just shows how, you know, administered prices in South Africa have continuously come to the fore. Um, 
High administered prices have been a concern for a while. And what I mean by administered prices, these are prices that are either determined or highly influenced by government. And fuel is one of those. Electricity is another one. And, and together, these, these elevated administered prices um, have been a concern and in relation to private sector related prices um, have been quite elevated, even reaching 10% uh, on a year on year basis in September. And I guess the question could be, how does this actually affect the rest of the consumer price index or consumer inflation? Because it, it, as we can think about it, fuel prices affect the transportation of goods and services and people, um, transportation of goods and people, as you've previously mentioned. But when we also consider other administered prices like electricity, this drives up the cost of doing business in general. And this now includes services as well. Um, and it contends with demand for other goods and services when uh, consumers consider their budget allocations. And this, I think, is where, you know, these elevated fuel prices, electricity prices come in to really bite for, for South African consumers. Now, given given that particular context, then, um, especially on um, on inflation and where it might march to, um, because of such a because of uh, you know how big of a component fuel prices tend to be um, when it comes to you know transportation and you know the movement of goods in the economy, um, where does that sit from a policy point of view? Because we've seen that the monetary policy committee from the Reserve Bank, um, you know, has uh, uh, you know, re has had things remain relatively stable with some of the lowest interest rates that we've seen, um, you know, in, in, you know, South African history for quite some time now, you know, so does a situation like that, does it remain sustainable or does, or is this a situation where uh, someone like, uh, you know, the, the MPC needs to come to the table, uh, you know, to do something just so that we don't uh, find ourselves in a situation where we're facing 8% inflation, um, you know, in about <laughs> six months' time. Yeah, very true, very true. And I actually just want to back uh, backpedal a little bit um, in terms of answering the question by starting off uh, saying that headline is now expected to peak in November, you may remember that May 2021's headline figure was 5.2%, um, quite elevated relative to the figures that we had gotten used to over 2020. Um, but now that 5.2% does no longer seems like the peak. And therefore, because of these elevated fuel prices, we see November to now be um, the new peak based on our numbers. And if prices were to rise beyond that 20, uh, 20 rands per liter in December, then inflation could peak in that man month instead. So we are continuously seeing upward pressure on inflation. And you would remember that monetary, the Monetary Policy Committee has been noting in their statements that, you know, um, inflation risk is highlighted to be to the upside. And I think this is one of the things that they're going to consider and take very seriously going forward. As you said, we don't want to see ourselves 
um, stuck with runaway inflation. However, it is important to note that the current state of inflation, the Monetary Policy Committee cannot do anything about. So whatever is happening right now with inflation, um, monetary policy has no control over. They rather have more control over two years ahead inflation, given that monetary policy is forward looking. So what this current inflation figures, uh, these current inflation figures do is to lift the starting point of monetary policy's forecast. And that's what they're going to start taking seriously, this upside risk to inflation and also what these starting points mean for two years ahead inflation. And in relation to that, they also also have started to note that, you know, these elevated um, fuel prices, and as I've mentioned before, admin prices would start to maybe filter through to the consumer through what we call second round effects. And these second round effects are basically when you start to see uh, supply dr driven inflation, like fuel starting to lift, and they raise the cost of conducting business, and consequently that gets passed through to the consumer. We've already started to see producer price inflation, uh, which requires recorded 7.8% in September, lifting from 7.2% in August. And this was mostly uh, pushed higher by petroleum products because excluding petroleum products, um, petroleum-related products, PPI would have actually measured 6.6% in September. So, so we already see this pass-through from you know, these supply-demand dynamics and, and global dynamics driving up fuel prices, and that has also been driving up producer prices. However, we haven't seen seen that full pass through to consumers as yet, uh, but there is that risk that producers would not be able to absorb any more of these price pressures and would have to pass them on to consumers. Um, and, and as we mentioned before, uh, through the because they, they factor into through the transportation of goods and also the provision of services. Now, there is another thing to consider for, for monetary policy, which is inflation expectations. So whenever wage determination proce uh, processes um, are underway, so we see labor unions, uh, businesses factoring in whatever inflation is expected to be, and, and that would affect their, their wage determination processes. And, and continuously seeing these elevated inflation figures whether driven by fuel or whether driven by demand-driven dynamics, um, I think when it comes to wage determinations, you have to be fair to your workers and, and, and they could be driven up simply because of these supply side issues. Um, and, and so far, what we see is that South Africa's inflation expectations seem very well anchored along the South African Reserve Bank's preferred midpoint target of 4.5%. So there isn't too much pressure there. But we, what we have to flag is that if we start to see inflation expectations lifting from this 4.5%, then monetary policy would really be, um, you know, under pressure to to start hiking rates. In addition to what we have seen from, you know, risk associated with, with emerging markets, we've seen other emerging markets raising rates. We're starting to see uh, advanced economies starting to normalize and uh, monetary policy starting to normalize, and all of this puts pressure on the South African Reserve Bank. In addition to to the inflation profile. In a, in a normal situation, um, you know, basic economics tells us that lower interest rates are meant to spur, um, you know, spending in the economy. And, you know, over time, that's meant to, you know, uh, that's meant to um, at least 
help to grow I, I guess the activity that's going on in the economy up to a certain point when things are starting to grow too quickly you raise the rates so that you keep things you know manageable and uh, I guess that's you know the, the the basic gist of you know where we're sitting now would you say this is you know perhaps uh, taking a step back and looking at the whole situation the whole macro situation you know would you say that the low interest rates that we are currently seeing at the moment moment um for their intended purposes through lockdown would you say that that has worked you know that purpose of um um of at least helping um uh, consumers businesses etc at least deal um with what's happening before we start thinking about the future of the fuel price would you say that that bit of monetary policy has achieved the ends that you know it set out to in the beginning Yes, I would say yes to that. Um, we had seen, in addition to interest rate cuts, we had seen, you know, um, payment holidays, um, and, and those have really supported businesses and, and consumers during the lockdown, especially that harsh lockdown when, when a lot of the, the, a higher percentage of the economy was not able to operate. Subsequent lockdowns have been a little bit easier on the economy. Uh, we've seen the percentage of the economy being being affected, being less, um, mostly restricted to the tourism-related industries. Um, uh, so, so, so I think initially that's when the the, the businesses or and, and consumers needed the most support and i think interest rates were and, and payment holidays were really able to to back consumers up in that period what we what we also see um from the banking side is that there has been a lift also in demand for mortgages um, and, and, and also vehicle finance. So people are generally, people who have a solid or stronger um, balance sheet are able to take advantage of these ultra low interest rates in making sure that they are um, able to, to build up some form of wealth because we can think about, you know, purchases of homes being a form of wealth. What we also think is that when you look at the, the debt dynamics from a consumer perspective, we did see consumers being able to deleverage, you know, taking also taking advantage of interest rates to pay off uh, some of that debt. So so it, so lower interest rates have been very, very supportive of, of consumer spending. Um, we also saw a fiscal response there that was also supportive of, of consumer spending. And we think that in general, this is very supportive of the economic recovery. And another important thing to notice is that even though we see you know the end of a cutting cycle and the reserve bank has made this very clear that the road from here on is higher interest rates the the projection of this um hiking cycle from an fnb perspective is that it's going to be very shallow and very slow so over the forecast period we see 125 basis points increase and what i mean by that is that from this 3.5 we should land at around 4.75, for example, um, by the end of 2023. And this does not get us back to where we were in 2019. So interest rates, even throughout the forecast period or the period to the end of 2023, will still be low from that perspective. 
and that would be supportive of of um, the recovery. It's important, Mudiwa, to re to remember that um, even though we do see businesses picking up, you know, the economy is generally in a recovery mode. Um, obviously, still at risk of resurgent waves of COVID nineteen infections um, and these supply bottlenecks, but. What, one other thing from a consumer perspective that we need to remember is that we still see demand being relatively weak. And this is in line with what we see from, from employment numbers uh, from the second quarter. We saw employment uh, from a formal perspective in the formal non-agricultural sectors is still over half a million lower than what it was in the second quarter of 2019. From a household perspective, which includes both formal and informal labor, uh, that, that number is even in above the region of one million um, in, uh, people compared to the second quarter of 2019. And these should still keep demand relatively weak. And, and this is also corroborated when you look at uh, demand-driven inflation, which is otherwise called core inflation, remaining around that 3% mark, also highlighting how weak demand really is at the moment. And it's important, once again, to note that this hiking cycle is expected to be gradual in line with the economic recovery and weak demand, so still allowing for that uh, to recover over the forecast period. You know, one of the things that one can note from everything that you're saying is this apparent, um, I'm going to call it, uh, disparity between what's going on in the world versus what's going on, I, I guess, in the local economy. And I like the fact that you mentioned the fact that demand is down um, at the moment when you when you look at uh, what's going on in South Africa. Yes, we're in a period of recovery and things are trying to um, get back. We're trying to claw back those losses um, from, you know, this lockdown period. But if one thinks about the fact that you have this um, increased demand, you know, for that has resulted in oil prices reaching these, you know, new highs that they haven't seen in some time. Um, it's 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 quite ironic that in when you look at the situation in South Africa, the things that are pushing up um, that are pushing up the fuel price um, don't really have much to do with what's going on in South Africa because in South Africa, generally demand is down. And yes, people are moving around more than they did last year, uh, but it would make sense that based off of pre-COVID, we aren't doing as much. So it sort of feels as if the South African consumer is kind of suffering you know, or what's going on in the rest of the world as opposed to what's going on here. Yeah, and I think I think the fuel price is interesting in the sense that, you know, we've been hearing about demand supply imbalances, shortages and so forth, and how that has really driven, you know, um, headline inflation in economies like the U.S., for example, quite higher than what they're used to. And in South Africa, we don't really see much of an inflation problem. The one place we do see this, these supply demand imbalances and shortages really filtering in through is through this uh, petrol price. And, and I guess that's that's one area where um, this, this global supply shortages is really filtering in through. I mean, when you look at your unit value indices, which show you um, import prices or is a proxy for what we can expect at the port, 
else. We don't see much of, in, from a consumer perspective or, 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 or items that could be related to the consumer. We don't see much pressure there when we compare that to 2019. But when you look at your fuel, for example, that's where we see the big pressure and also on a food, food uh, on your food items. So, so unfortunately, even though South Africa is experiencing weak demand, these supply issues can trickle in um, to the market and affect consumers. And, and, and it's something that is so important to note when you look at inflation by different deciles or, or different households across the, the country or in South Africa, what we see is that poorer households are actually experiencing quite high inflation. That number was 6.6% in September. So, and this is simply because poorer households spent more on food, on electricity and public transportation. And, and, and therefore they tend to be quite affected by these supply issues, you know, as, as opposed to your more richer households, which, which tend to be more represented by headline because they have the capability of spending on a broad um, spectrum of goods. And, and their number there is closer to 5.1%, which is quite close to the number for headline CPI, which was 5% in September. So, so when you speak to suffering, I guess it, it's different across uh, different households in the country, given the, the, the patterns of spending. And, and it's unfortunate that these supply dynamics tend to affect more of your poorer households uh, relative to other consumers in the, in the economy. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a tough one, and uh, you know, I'm just laughing at the at the suffering at that suffering comment. I think that is literally the theme. <laughs> uh, that is literally the theme of this discussion: the suffering consumer um, in South Africa. Now, as we come to a close, um, you know, Coquette, so what are you, I, I guess, keeping an eye on? Because um, obviously, we've spent this entire discussion talking about uh, the fuel price, and it's um, and uh, more than anything else, it's uh, what is, what it's what its effect is going to be um, on inflation, you know, going forward. Uh, but outside of things like fuel, what are you, you what are you keeping an eye on, or what is uh, whether it's something that's good or bad that you're keeping an eye on, you know, whether it's GDP growth, whether it's you know you mentioned uh, producer inflation earlier on, manufacturing, like what are you keeping an eye on that you say is like okay, fine, this thing is something that we need to keep an eye on as a country. Mm. Yeah, and I and I actually want to. It, you're taking me back to to something I actually already touched on, but I think it's important to just elaborate on it a bit further. Um, sticking with this with this headline inflation um, theme, where we are already starting to see. Um, inflation picking up in other economies. And it's a question of whether South Africa is really ready um, for, for the elevated inflation that could be filtered through the supply issues. And, and we have been constantly thinking about whether inflationary risks are to the upside or to the downside. And the general view is that inflation is more tilted to the upside. And, and I mean, you could get a further fuel price shock you know, in the region of what people are expecting. Um, you could also see that, you know, sub services inflation starts to normalize faster than what we currently expect, but that would depend on the rate of vaccinations and it would also depend on, you know, uh, labor market um, adjustments 
space which would allow people to be able to demand those services. But it's important to note that in general, we, we are also looking out for, you know, whether these supply issues from a global perspective are starting to filter through to our ports. So it's important to keep an eye on these imported goods inflation. And when we start to see that pressure coming through, we can expect um, it to filter through to the consumer. And, and the examples there would be through vehicles and, and, and clothing, uh, which is which are also important consumer products. And I think going beyond inflation, I think the, the it's important also to just remind ourselves that, you know, constant mutations of the COVID-19 virus is the greatest threat to, to the recovery. You know, these, these, these resurgent uh, waves of COVID-19 infections have a way of limiting economic activity, even if it's just in a few sectors, because um, these sectors also employ people. Take, for example, the tourism sector is, is quite labor intensive. And, and it's, it's the only way for, for, you know, the only way for the economy to fully recover is to have all the sectors um, recovering and also being able to bring back those employment numbers. And I think that's one, one other thing to look out for. The last thing that I would like to mention is that, you know, this high inflation has a huge bearing on monetary policy across the globe. What we are fearing is that monetary policy will start responding to elevated inflation and potentially dampen the, the, the rate of economic recovery as a result. So this is one of the things that we're also looking out for, especially for emerging markets, which have very low vaccination rates and already had limited policy space going into the crisis, the pandemic crisis. So um, it's important to look out for these. Inflation is also important in this in this uh, in this scheme of things, given that you know responses by policy to inflation could also e eventually dampen um, the recovery and also dampen our ability to get uh, the jobs online and also just get all the businesses back online. I certainly agree with that take. It's something that uh, you, we've spoken about on this platform um, a couple of times, and something that I've said continuously to say that you know from a global point of view, uh, the rate at which countries are able to vaccinate is likely going to either emphasize or um, re-emphasize some of the imbalances uh, that have uh, existed in terms of global trade uh, because, you know, there are already imbalances. You've got your developed versus your developing countries, you know, that are there. But the, the rate at which uh, developing countries, for example, are able to vaccinate their populations will directly affect their ability to go back, um, you know, to try and recover where they were before uh, the pandemic has come in and already given the fact that uh, so many developed countries such as the US have reached that over 60% population number means that they're mm -hmm. able to recover at a faster rate and you know they already start getting out ahead whilst we're still fighting at these 20-30% rates now and you know mm -hmm. however long that stuff takes uh, might um, you know uh, might even widen the gap that existed between uh, developed uh, markets and emerging markets before uh, we went into COVID-19. So that's been us. Uh, we're talking to Koketso Mano, who is uh, an economist over at FNB. Um, we were talking largely
obviously about uh, the recent fuel price hikes in South Africa that are seeing uh, petrol sitting at around 19 rand 54 cents right now, uh, very close to that 20 rand mark. Uh, Kokes is saying that uh, some of the projections, you know, from analysts see uh, this number actually touching that uh, above 20 rand level in the coming in the coming weeks if we aren't too careful. But more than anything else, it's the uh, potential um, effect on inflation, which is the real danger uh, that South Africa needs to keep, uh, you know, keep an eye on because um, transport is, you know, one of those things that is affecting all parts of the economy. Whatever industry you are in, there is a movement of goods, there is a movement of people, and the the cost of, you know, uh, transporting those goods and services, it will have a direct impact on uh, other, you know, prices in the rest of the economy, whether it's administered prices such as electricity or uh, consumer prices such as the price of bread um, over time. So just talking about... um what's happening with the reserve bank you know how long they can keep um interest rates this low for you know they're likely to go up you know some of the projections um 100 and uh, i think they said you said 150 basis points 125. 125 basis points uh, that would, uh, you know, take us to about 4.75, uh, you know, percent um, in terms of uh, in terms of interest rates, um, you know, just as a way to respond to what's going on. Uh, but over time, it will be, we'll just be waiting to see how all of that stuff actually plays out. And then just ending off talking about the fact that South Africa continues to be, um, as we've seen in currency markets, uh, like with the RAND, uh, South Africa in this particular instance with the fuel price uh, it's more you know being susceptible to what's going on in the global market as opposed to what's going on domestically Koketso, thank you so much for being with us thank you for having me Mudiwa this is Mudiwa's take quite a fascinating discussion and that uh that warning that is coming from uh, Koketsu about, um, you know, the risks on inflation that are coming from things like fuel, you know, something that we certainly do need um, to take seriously because um, as we were talking, this is one of those things that is not as a result directly of what's going on in South Africa. Yes, there is this increased uh, demand, you know, globally for things like oil uh, because so many countries have, you know, are trying to go back to work. More people are on the move. There's increased tourism, all of these different things. But that is not necessarily um, the situation in South Africa. And it does pose that danger um, that consumers end up suffering uh, for something that is not necessarily a uh, a factor that is existing in the local economy and i guess that is one of the risks uh, that comes with uh, this issue of globalization to say that what happens in another part of the world does have a direct impact on what's going on in south africa that's been a story long told uh, when you see uh, when it comes to the rand you know that most of the time fluctuations in the local currency come from what's going on with the us dollar and what's going on in that country so to see that then filtering into things like um the oil price or fuel price which you know that has always been the case but as dramatic a move as we've seen in the last year this is a bit unprecedented because um it's a big jump you know we mentioned the fact that you're talking 11 12 rand um 
at the height of lockdowns last year for for fuel but now you're closer to that 20 rand uh that 20 rand range and that is almost a two-thirds jump in the price of fuel and if you think about the fact that um we are moving goods and services you know across the economy no matter what sector right then that inflation risk really does become um you know very real because you have that basic input cost and you know that's gone up by 60 67 percent right now what is that going to mean you know going down one hopes that because of the transmission effect in the economy the fact that you know some of these prices don't change overnight it takes time uh, for these things to filter one hopes that uh, by the time that some of these things are about to filter down uh, to consumer pockets you know that you know some of these things might have been normalized whether it's a reduction in global demand to meet what's actually going on you know all of those different things you know one hopes that by the time that happens you know that things would have normalized in the world And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.